What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Guess what, Mango? What's that, Will? So I was reading this article in Mother Jones. It's by Rowan Jacobson. Oh, yeah, I, I know that byline. He writes all those uh, great food articles. Like there was that one on uh, cheese a while back, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, for this article, he was writing about apples. We're going to go with a different <laughs> food topic, Mango. Apples and apple trees specifically. Uh-huh. And you know, until I read this piece, I had no idea how long an apple tree could live. Did you know? I have no idea. This isn't in your uh, list of facts. <laughs> no. you know? Well, actually, I'm just going to quote him here. It says, even when abandoned, an apple tree can live more than 200 years. And like the giving tree in Shel Silverstein's book, it will wait patiently for the boy to return. <laughs> there is a bent old black Oxford tree in Hollowell, Maine, that is approximately two centuries old and still gives a crop of midnight purple apples each fall. I've actually never heard of Midnight Purple Apples. We're learning so many things today. (laughs) Well, apparently the U.S. used to have thousands of different varieties of apples in the 1800s, and the styles are really astonishing. And since we're getting into fall and apple picking season, we thought it'd be fun to do a list of nine things all about apples. So let's dig in. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend Mangesh Hot Ticketer. And sitting behind the soundproof glass, trying to stack apples three on top of each other. How long do you think he's been doing this, Mango? This has been <laughs> For a little while. Hours. It's very zen. <laughs> I guess that's how tall a Smurf is supposed to be. Three apples, <laughs> yeah, right? three apples. That's our friend and producer, Tristan McNeil. Always up to something. What a weirdo, but we love him. <laughs> so I'm actually happy you picked apples as a topic because our cute little neighbor, Ben, who is the best-dressed gentleman on our block, 
Oh, this like morning. at home. I thought you were talking about Ben Bolin, the <laughs> podcaster here. I was like, he's not that little. <laughs> or well-dressed. Yeah, Actually, yeah. he is well-dressed. <laughs> but our neighbor brought these like little bag of apples over this morning because he'd gone apple picking this weekend. And in Georgia, I mean, it's late September here, but it is so warm. I don't really think of it as apple picking season. Yeah. And seeing that was almost my first reminder that it was fall now. But where do you want to start? Well, how about we start with just the varieties of apples? I know we mentioned just how many there used to be here in the States. And I found this list of 18 apples with these incredible names that our friend Erica Okrent did for Mental Floss. And Mm -hmm. the names are just so great. So we've got Spartan, Dog Snout, Winterstein, Rusty Coat, Cour de Boeuf, which is one of my (laughs) favorites, which means heart of beef, and my favorite, American Mother. So those are some tough sounding names <laughs> and they almost sound like uh, punk rock bands or something. Actually, it's funny you say that because there is one with an umlaut that looks like a hair band. It's called Utweiler Spotlobber, I think. <laughs> I'm sure I said that right. <laughs> and it does not sound appealing the way you say that. There. Right. But, you know, um, dog snout isn't like an apple I'm super keen to bite into. But I am curious, like in reading all these descriptions, are there any of these rare varietals that you're actually eager to try? I mean, there was actually something in that Rowan Jacobson piece. So so like we mentioned, in the mid-1800s, there were thousands of different types of apples. And as industrial agriculture came to the forefront, apple growers picked a handful of varieties to promote. Now, often settling on the ones that were the hardiest to transport for, for obvious reasons. Which is why Red Delicious are so popular, but, you know, not really the most tasty of apples. Yeah, that's right. But one of the apples that Jacobson writes about is called the Harrison apple. And as he puts it, Quote, it was the pride of Newark, New Jersey, renowned in the early 1800s for making a golden champagne-like cider that might have been the finest in the world. So did we just get rid of it because it didn't transport well? No, I mean, it was lost for a few decades, actually because of prohibition, and there was no real reason to keep growing them. But then in the late 1970s, this apple detective, wouldn't this be a great job? (laughs) He was an apple detective, and he found one old tree in New Jersey. He grafted it, and he started growing them again. And I haven't tried the champagne cider, but it's definitely on my to-do list. So that's really interesting that they grafted a branch to make that happen. And I I guess that's common for growing fruit. But one thing I didn't know until, you know, we talked about this topic was that uh, you can't actually grow a great apple tree from just planting a seed of any apple. And this is actually how BuzzFeed puts it. Quote, if you ate a Macintosh apple and planted the seed, the tree it grew would produce apples that looked and tasted nothing like Macintoshes. Hmm. So instead of planting seeds, growers attach a cutting from the genetically desirable tree onto an existing branch or sapling called a rootstock so that the grafted bit produces apples genetically identical to those on the tree it was cut from. I mean, obviously, I I knew a little bit about grafting, but I I don't know why it was so surprising to me. I I think just because I had this like romantic old idea of like Johnny Appleseeds scattering seeds and these beautiful, tasty apples growing from them. But, you know, that's almost never how you get great apples. You know, one thing I realized as I was reading up on this was how little I knew about apple production. Like farmers at apple orchards actually rent thousands of bees and hives from beekeepers each season just to pollinate their trees. Did you know this? I did not realize there was a rental market for bees. Yeah, but big one. I, I know in New York, some of our neighbors used to rent a cat to come to their place just to run around and leave the scent to keep away mice, which is equally weird to me. Weird and now scary all of a sudden. <laughs> yet one more place to be scared of. Well, yeah, so what happens is you rent bees for a couple of weeks and then the beekeeper comes back and takes the hive to another orchard. I, at least I think that's how it works. But I was reading about this Georgia farmer who was saying he doesn't need to rent bees because there are just so many types around just naturally. And this was from a story reported on by WABE, but this scientist from a local college came by and he referred to this one orchard as the Bee Eden. 
And so here's his quote about it. The first time I came here during Bloom was eye-opening for me. It looked like almost the entire orchard was kind of on fire, was smoking like this black mist. Get up in there and you actually realize it's not smoke. It's just thousands and thousands and thousands of bees, huh. and they're all native. So what's crazy is that he found more than 150 species of bees at this one what? apple orchard That's alone. Crazy. Yeah, <laughs> including a type of bee that mines under the trees and has an underground city in the dirt. Yeah. That's amazing. Pretty cool. <laughs> well, I, I have one last apple growing fact, and then we can talk about other things. But apparently, Japan creates some of the largest and most beautiful apples in the world. And if you read about the giant single-packaged strawberries they give for Valentine's Day or, like, the square watermelon mm -hmm. they produce, you know that the culture around cultivating this beautiful produce is very real. And apples are no exception. So I found this article on the University of Cincinnati magazine from this professor who was writing about her experience in Japan. And apparently, farmers will climb ladders and pluck the four outer blooms on an apple, leaving only the center one because it creates an apple that's 30% larger than the standard American apple. Mm. And this is all done by hand. And then early in the season, when the apples are still just an inch big, they actually discard all the imperfect ones. Like they know at that young, like that they're wow. not going to be beautiful. Yeah. And, and then they take all the promising ones and they put these special wax paper bags on them. And not only does this paper bag system keep out the pests, but it supposedly extends the like storage life and the flavor of the fruits. And then they also put different wax-colored paper on because it triggers the color genes of the apples. And uh, it, it's kind of crazy. They leave a lot them on, of work. They leave them on for 10 to 14 days, and then they remove the bags. And then they give the apples pure sunlight because that's what gives them sweetness. But to make sure the apples get even sweetness everywhere, they actually rotate the apples on the, on the uh, branches by hand. They rotate them on the branch. They, they wouldn't be pulled off by doing that? No, they, they, huh. they carefully rotate them. They take away any leaves that are causing shades. They even put these like white reflective mats underneath so that the bottom of the apples get a perfect tan. It's crazy. And then for the biggest apples, which are obviously going to be sold as gifts, they put on these stickers to create tattoos on the apples that say things like best wishes for a long life or... Uh, or this one Japanese pop star put images of his face on it to give yeah. out to fans. It's, it's just kind of amazing. But uh, the professor ended the article by saying, quote, This intensive work results in apples that are absolutely beautiful and flawless. Our apples look scruffy in comparison. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is so much work. All right, so we've done about five facts now, I think. What do you say we reel off some, some quick ones about apples? You don't want to hear more about Japanese apple growing? I mean, that was pretty interesting. <laughs> so here's what I found about the 1904 Olympic marathon race and a truly bad apple. And, of course, reading about the old Olympics reminds you of just how different the competition was back then. Like, in 1904, Felix Carbajal ran the race in cutoff trousers and a beret for some reason. <laughs> and according to Smithsonian, he saw someone eating peaches along the way and snatched one or two and ate them. But he was still hungry for fruit, so he stopped at an orchard along the way and ate a bunch of apples. And then a few miles later, he realized they were bad apples. Oh, no. And he got this stomach cramp. So he laid down, took a nap, and when he woke up, he kept running. He was a butterfly. I thought you were telling the story of, like, what's the, the, the caterpillar? That's kind of what you were saying. He was still hungry. <laughs> then he took a nap. But he took a nap, started running again, and he finished in fourth place. Wow. In, in, his, in his fancy shorts. That's pretty great. And beret. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty incredible. All right, well, here's something I hadn't heard before today. It comes from the New York Times, and they were actually talking to this curator at the Philadelphia Museum of Art and discussing how artists spend so many hours just trying to represent a real fruit on canvas, you know, trying to get the color and the shape just completely accurate. Now, partially because they're inspired by Cezanne, but 
What's funny is that Cezanne was a very slow painter. And as he puts it, he says that Cezanne used artificial fruit partially because he didn't want it rotting in the time that he was trying to capture. So <laughs> I doubt that that's really true, but it gives you an idea of just how slow he was. That is interesting. Well, kind of like how uh, Audubon used to paint birds by killing them and fixing them to wires on branches. Yeah, to just draw like them. that. <laughs> so grim. But uh, we've got two more Apple facts to go. So let's get to those right after a break. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O.com. So... Have I told you that Ruby is obsessed with making fruit salads and just forcing them on people lately? <laughs> you have not, although given her weird obsessions, this doesn't surprise me. Yeah, so I, I walked in the house the other day and she said, who thinks I make a great fruit salad? Raise your hand. <laughs> Dad, why isn't your hand raised? <laughs> you got to yeah. be honest with it. That, that's pretty good. Now, are, are they any good? I mean, it's surprising how good it is for a five-year-old, to me at least, but, uh, but she's so cocky about it. Like we went to this uh, Korean restaurant last week 
And she looked at the food that came out, and then she just kind of like turned to the waiter and said, I make a great fruit salad. If you want, I can come back uh, and show you how. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a secret or something. It's so ridiculous. That's pretty great. All right, so we're talking apples, and the pressure is on. I'd love to talk about Ruby. In fact, I think her obsessions deserve a nine fact <laughs> at some point. But what's your last fact of the day, Mango? Um, maybe why New York is called the Big Apple. Oh, yeah, it's a good one. So New York City does produce a lot of apples, but according to History.com, the nickname doesn't have to do with the fruit production. Apparently, the name comes from this newspaper writer in the 20s who overheard these New Orleans uh, stable hens talking about traveling to these big races in New York. Mm -hmm. And they called it the Big Apple because it was considered this, like, big-time venue. But he liked it so much, he just kept using it, and it caught on with jazz musicians in the 30s. But apparently, the city actually forgot the name for about 40 years. And then it was revived in the 70s for a tourism campaign, and that's when it really stuck. But you know what's interesting to me is that New York hasn't always been partial to apples in the 1600s, the Dutch actually called the city New Orange for a brief period in, in honor of uh, William of Orange. Oh, wow. All right. Well, I'm going to end this one on Isaac Newton. It just felt like the right thing to do. And a uh -huh. story I found on him from our friends at Nidorama. So everybody's heard the legend that Newton, quote, discovered gravity when, you know, an apple fell on his head. And while the story isn't exactly true, there was an apple involved in the discovery. Uh, apparently, Newton wrote about it himself. And Describe witnessing this falling apple while staring out of a window at his house in Woolsthorpe Manor. Now, what's interesting, though, is that there are a number of places that claim they have the tree. And hmm. one place called the King School says that they paid to uproot the tree and put it in their headmaster's garden. Meanwhile, Trinity College in Cambridge claims that they have the lone descendant of the original tree outside the room where Newton studied. What's funny is that they all get pretty specific about the tree, too. So here's how Nidorama explains it. That the apple is a green cooking apple called the Flower of Kent. And it's this pear-shaped, mealy, and actually generally unappetizing apple that changed the course of science. <laughs> I like that we're giving this pear-shaped, mediocre apple some glory. So I, I do think you have to get the prize for this. Well, thanks so much. And if you look, actually, he has stacked four apples. He's just showing <laughs> off over there, Tristan. A smurf and a third. That's right. Well, from Tristan, Mango, and me, thanks so much for listening. Thanks again for listening. Part-Time Genius is a production of How Stuff Works and wouldn't be possible without several brilliant people who do the important things we couldn't even begin to understand. Tristan McNeil does the editing thing. Noel Brown made the theme song and does the mixy-mixy sound thing. <laughs> Jerry Rowland does the exact producer thing. Gabe Luzier is our lead researcher with support from the research army, including Austin Thompson, Nolan Brown, and Lucas Adams. And Eves Jeffcoat gets the show to your ears. Good job, Eves. If you like what you heard, we hope you'll subscribe. And if you really, really like what you've heard, maybe you could leave a good review for us. Did we, did we forget Jason? Jason who? Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.